I probably not gonna do a good job and someone like end up dead. <laughs> like, so that was a bit too much responsibility. This is the Sparkcast, a bi-weekly show where we explore the creativity, technology, and business of CG. I'm your host, Marina Antunes. There was little doubt that Lyra Nukolova would become an artist. Her first foray into art was sketching Sailor Moon, but her passion and drive to learn and challenge herself led her first to university to study architecture and eventually to make the move from Kazakhstan to Vancouver to further her practice. Lyra found solace and inspiration in the dynamic urban landscape of the city keeping a visual diary that would eventually become Visual Diaries, a collection of paintings that span a decade of personal memories, emotions, and the ever-evolving beauty of Vancouver. In our conversation with Lyra, she shares her tale of growth, harnessing both familial encouragement and the sprawling resources of internet forums to refine her craft amidst the biting critiques that shaped her resilient spirit. She also shares insights into the blending of job-honed techniques with the bold forays into 3D modeling, all while maintaining the integrity of her vision against the relentless tick of the clock. Here's our conversation with Lyra Nukolova. You were born in Kazakhstan. When did your journey with art first start? Since I was a kid, I like painting, uh, I guess just for entertainment. I would watch a lot of cartoons, mostly like Sailor Moon, was kind of obsessed about it. And uh, yeah, and uh, I think I was drawing comics with Sailor Moon. And for me, it was like a storybook because I missed the episodes, Um, like just waited for episodes for so long that I just decided to do my own. (laughs) And I would get like these little sketchbooks and I would just fill them with like the whole story where like the whatever Sailor Moon wakes up and then she you know, goes to school. And uh, for me, it was like process of it was kind of like reliving it. So that's when it first started, I guess. And then it's just thanks to my, I guess, family were pretty supportive. So they didn't push me in any other direction. I just did it, I guess, entertaining myself. I'm a single child. So, so that was like a way for me to spend my time. And that, yeah, it came to the point that to my teenage years as well. Um, and But then I started slowly realizing that I'm interested in more like discovered it more seriously. So I started going to forums and internet to see um, like anatomy tutorials. And mostly I was interested in manga, I guess, because from Sailor Moon. And then I started kind of going into like how to draw manga. There was a website like that existing back then. It was a community as well. So it was fun. Like you would do tutorials step by step and then you just share and then a bunch of like adult artists criticize you very harshly. <laughs> so that was funny. Yeah. yeah, it was uh yeah, it was heartbreaking sometimes, but sometimes I was like, okay, well, I'll just keep doing it. And at some point, uh, you know, I'll 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 get where I wanna be. Okay, I was gonna ask about this later, but the fact that this comes out now, let's talk about criticism because one of the things that you have to deal with as a creative is dealing with criticism and not just from like your own personal work, but when you're working with the client, they may have, you know, comments or, or, or ideas that don't really fit 
either the work that you're doing or you come to realize that you're not really on the same page. How do you navigate through criticism? Like clearly you've been doing, that's been like an issue from the get-go, but you know, how do you work your way through that? When I was like young, I mean, it was like what, 15, 13, then it was, it felt harsh. And now I'm thinking about like, man, they were criticizing 13 year olds so harshly. It's like, uh, yeah, it was felt harsh, but then, you know, you get, I would be mostly annoyed by like unsolicited criticism from just like, you know, comments. And, uh, but then when you go into the like profession and work, you just learn uh, to filter it. Uh, and to me, main thing, like what I tell myself when I, some someone like, tells what they want to see in my work. I usually uh, filter out all the possible negative, um, per- like per- not taking it personally. And I'm just trying to understand the core message, what uh, they mean. Um, I always try to clarify because sometimes like, yeah, if it's um, if someone just tells me like, oh, your work is bad uh, or like, oh, it's not something I'm looking for. Um, main thing is just to go back and clarify what exactly needs to be done uh, because they, basically criticism is like communication and uh, it's trying to get to the core what exactly um if it's clients or our director what exactly they mean uh by um trying to adjust the work and never take it personally i guess and i learned for like the past 10 years i never took personally criticism like i know north america is a bit different than where i grew up in people here are very nice um they tell them like they're a sandwich criticism they say oh i like your work but like blah 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 <laughs> and so to me it's it's more distracting i'd rather if someone wants to fix the work i just want to get right to the business just tell me exactly what you want and i won't get offended because it's my job uh and then uh and that way it's much more efficient than trying to like put emotions into that. That's amazing. But I mean, you know, the fact that you were dealing with this even as a 13-year-old, let's go back to you, you know, in forums as a young woman, you're creating these these characters, you're getting this harsh criticism and you're like, what's happening here? But you keep doing it. Yeah, I guess that I just got angry. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, I was like, I, I became really competitive at some point in my teenage times. If someone just tells me something wrong, I will make sure I I learn how to do it, uh, and then I spend like nights to learn how to do it, and then publish it, and then make sure that this criticism doesn't happen again. Uh, but it's like when I was younger. Now I obviously it's more selective in things, and I have more experience, and I'm like, okay, well, if someone just say that, but I don't agree with it, I don't have to obviously go for it it just drives me a lot it uh, drove me uh, my motivation how did teaching yourself how to draw how did that develop into something that you were like okay I want to do this as a career because I know that you did go to school uh, you went to the Kazakh leading academy of architecture and civil engineering which sounds to me like a more technical rather than artistic endeavor how did you end up there I didn't expect I can actually find a job as an artist in Kazakhstan. Like, um, there was like fine artist school, but honestly, like, I didn't think I have enough skill back then to go into fine arts. I really didn't have confidence at all. So my second choice was go to architecture school uh, because it's still drawing. And there was drawing lessons and I went to the tour and they had actually like the technical drawing lessons and people were like much more creative. That prompted me to like try that. I didn't know I'm going to be artist yet uh, at that point I thought I'm going to like go into design uh, I went to design major which included architecture industrial design and uh, graphic design it kind of was all together jammed in and I thought I would just you know just make money like a web designer or I'll become a graphic designer or like if I have to I actually had jobs where I had to like design the fences 
uh, fat designs like was a, from the uh, like as a school practice. So I didn't know what exactly going to be, but I just I knew that I liked the creative creative process of um, of designing like um, objects, designing environments. I, um, my favorite part at school was um, like I guess design facades and planning the uh, like parks or like uh, areas around the building. That was the favorite part, uh, and then least favorite part was the technical drawings and math and um, we had chemist um, the chemistry kind of lessons for architecture that we had to know which material works which material that's I didn't like and that's when I realized maybe I should not be like uh, going into anywhere like with industrials and architecture just because I probably not going to do a good job and someone like end up dead. <laughs> like, so that was a bit too much responsibility. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. And so I learned like internet was more and more developed back then. And I slowly learned about concept art. Yeah. Um, and I also started playing games. It was around like age of 17. I started playing video games and I learned that there's such a thing as a concept art in video games. Uh, and that's in internet. There's that community started showing up uh, for that. Um, at least it reached the post-Soviet Union countries that time, and that's where I learned that oh, there's possibility to do something with things I like, which is designing like the environments and uh, um, stuff for like movies and games. It seems like a lot of your early learning, even though you did have some classical training, you know, at school. A lot of it was just self-motivated, self-led, and really the internet played a really big part in, you know, you finding your yourself and, and kind of like the shape that your career would take. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And, you know, you talk a little bit about forums. At, at that time, what where were you going to, to learn some of this stuff and where, like, how are you interacting with other artists? Yeah, there was forums, yeah, a big thing like that, unfortunately, we don't have now, and I kind of missed it. Forums and galleries where you would have your own thread. And uh, I just like the idea of, like, you know, digital sketchbook. I like that. I like the, like, I had my own sketchbooks. I was very inspired by, um, I think back then it was also, like, Loish just was kind of getting big. It's one of the um, digital artists. In DeviantArt was big. Um, and then there was also like post-Soviet Union kind of Kazakhstan Russian like community um, been creating these forums and it was all new um, and uh, they would have threads like in the forum where they would be like okay that's my digital sketchbook and they would put, post the progress of their work there and anyone could come in and like comment or give critique and you can look at other people's sketchbooks too and it was very inspiring how they lead it how they have it like what kind of ideas they get where is it going with it? Like a lot of studies, a lot of, it was a lot of like still lives, a lot of anatomy studies, a lot of sketches and thumbnails. And it was just very inspiring to see um, this amount. And also like some like tutorials from West were translated as well. And uh, I was just following step by step for many. I had many, like I was, I had a big, uh, I guess, uh, art crush on Benita Winkler back then. It was another digital artist and she inspired me so much of her, like she had this tutorial step-by-step step written, uh, her process and her thinking, um, her thoughts always been like creating um, a world within an image. And she would be so, putting so much attention to every detail, such as like, you know, like she had this image of like a fairy walking in the water and she's like, okay, her like bottom of her hairs are wet because she probably had to go through deeper waters before, like things like that. And like, oh, I actually, like the moment I loved and like 
she put this like fishes under the water, you barely see them. Uh, but she said, I just wanted to like make this pond livable. And I put this fish inside, kind of drew it. And for me, I guess you can say it brings me back to this, like when I was drawing like Sailor Moon and creating the story within like the world. And to me, it was like creating your own kind of universe. Um, and uh, it was just very, very interesting that I could like out of nothing, I could make the image live within and give a story. And like, even if someone like, it doesn't have to be always on a nose, certain things and certain details, but I love the idea that I could like make it live and make it like full, fully contain itself within one image here. I think yeah. it's interesting because you were doing this, you were sort of self-teaching yourself what you actually wanted to do, but you were also taking these, you know, traditional classes at school. How did what you were learning at school actually affect, or maybe it didn't, how you were approaching your own personal art? Um, school was okay. Honestly, education back home for, in particular, university I was, was very technical, I guess. Uh, we didn't like do much gesture drawing, nothing like that. It was very technical, classic, um, like structure drawing. Like we were drawing portraits. We had to make sure anatomy is correct. We had to make sure um, like, you know, like all the construction lines are correct, like building it all up. Um, I mean, it was fun. I liked not doing like math classes and just going to drawing, I guess, class. And I tried to use that in my personal work, but it always was very, like my work would be very stiff. It helped, I guess, because we had um, like the class where we had to do a bunch of sketches. So I would kind of uh, combine what I was learning from Internet and then trying to teach myself. Uh, and then I would show that to teachers and they would be like, oh, that's great. And I would get like good grades. Um, so I guess it was a lot of that was self-driven. Uh, I don't think if I just followed the program, I would get what where I wanted to get. It's mostly was self-driven. You finished school. How do you sort of start to look at how you want to grow your career and what you want to do? I think um, I was uh, in the middle. I already knew that I wanted to become concept artist. I just didn't know how. Um, there was no school back then for concept art. Even I was trying to look at even abroad. Like there was nothing I was, you know, like in Kazakhstan, nothing was nothing in Russia at that time. I was trying to look abroad. And even then, like um, there was like no majors. I think it's just maybe 10, maybe eight years ago or something appeared like actual programs. Like now for the school has like concept art. I was just, yeah, just thinking that I got to find a job somehow eventually. And uh, I started working as an illustrator in a local studio in Kazakhstan. They hired me, they're very lucky. They had lots of patience with me. Um, they gave me so much freedom to explore and create. And we were doing like, um, they just gave me like, okay, come up with ideas and paint. And they were paying me for like two years and that. Like during that time, my mom told me there was an opportunity for me to start uh, looking like my before education in Canada. Uh, or like somewhere abroad um, and uh, I guess we went to this like the exhibition of um, exhibition of like universities we had in Kazakhstan and Kapilana was there and they had this uh, illustration and graphic design program which I still wasn't sure I can be a concept artist but then because there's no schools I did there's no like nothing no I didn't have any connections Kapilana was had the best the brochure because it actually had like art on it and every other university just was like boring for sure. And I'm like, well, I guess, you know, kind of that's, that shows that this is more or less creative place uh, to go. 
and I went, were able to like um, apply for it. And uh, my problem was I didn't speak English. Um, so I actually first couple, like half a year I spent learning English in like local uh, language school uh, when I arrived to Canada. Yeah. And then when I came here, it's like, oh yeah, there's all these jobs and animation industry. And I, I didn't even think about animation industry when back then. I just thought I want to work in games. So you knew the program was here, but did you actually come to Canada before even applying for the program? Uh, I knew about the program, yes, but um, we had a plan. Uh, we hired the agent person from Kazakhstan, and they told us that if, well, like, we didn't know the rules or anything, so they told me if I pass, like, TOEFL, there's like, an English exam, I can apply, I, like, I will be accepted, but I didn't pass it. I actually, I think I failed it twice before uh before actually passing it like I'm really bad <laughs> I'm I'm so focused on what I want to be doing all the time uh like and that if there's anything else I have to do and I don't feel like it's something I'm passionate about I just it's just torture for me and learning English was torture for me especially getting ready for TOEFL and like write written test reading all these articles that I'm like why I'm reading this this is like absolutely not relevant to what I want to be doing uh, but you have to read the articles you have to analyze them you have to like pass the you know uh, like write an essay about them and uh, I failed I think twice the TOEFL because it's just uh, my mom was so disappointed because <laughs> uh, and then eventually I, I went to a past TOEFL like halfway and they told me like well if you really need to go to school like go to Capilano uh, and they had English classes there. So I kind of got a couple credits from actual English classes and at the same time preparation for TOEFL. And I got took art history. And uh, after that, they accepted me for like third, uh, second year of IDEA program. That was like, yeah, definitely a journey. And I was felt super lucky that I actually was able to get it done and was able to start studying here. If I read the your resume correctly, you were already working in the industry as you were taking classes at Capilano. How, you know, you were you've always been hustling. <laughs> yeah, I've been. Yeah, so basically, um, yeah, as soon as I got accepted for full time program, uh, I also got a job uh, here. Like, I wasn't allowed as an like as an international student working full time. Um, so I um, I got the job at uh, local game studio of Atom Interactive. Yeah, I just went to career fair because I was like running out of money. Uh, like we're not like I didn't have much money. <laughs> like I came here with like uh, I guess like very low budget on like food and uh, uh, I think my mom took credit for education uh, for uh, not the, the took the loan and then yeah I was running out of money. I didn't know how to. I need to start working uh, and I went to job fair and I just gave my business cards away. I already had a portfolio because I was working before. Uh, and yeah, I was very lucky, like uh, I got hired by Fathom Interactive and they were okay with me working part-time and uh, I learned tons from them. I worked for them for another, like they changed the uh, company, changed names, uh, but I was working for them a couple of years after that until I graduated. And were you already doing concept design at that point? Yeah, I was, I was doing for them concept design. Yeah, I was... Uh, it was mobile game first we started. It was called Skypunks. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was doing the, all the like maps. It was like scroll, um, runner game and I was doing maps and I was doing like prop design, character, line work, um, basically all like all the things like I, I had amazing art director. Uh, he taught me a lot uh, how to like uh, um, to do line work and to do like proper work on maps. 
Um, so yeah, that was my first, yeah, I was doing a uh, full-time school and I was doing part-time work. So it was very, uh, very stressful. I would be doing school from like nine to probably four. And then I had to go to the office and I worked from like six to probably, I don't know, like nine or 10 PM. And then uh, I would, in the morning, I had to go back to CAP from downtown. That was quite uh quite a journey I after I graduated I was like I'll never do it again but I still uh, I still work a lot <laughs> yeah at that point you were going to classes was that because you had to go to school because I mean it seemed like at that point you were already kind of full-on on your career you were taking the early steps yeah yeah a lot of that had to be done because of my visa uh, because a student visa allowed me to work and then after that I would get my open work permit uh, and that's the whole reason why I went to school, uh, because I, I knew that I didn't have like, I didn't want to risk the chance to, you know, get the job and then job something happens to the job and then I have to go back or look uh, for another one. I mean, it was a plan B if I had to, but in terms of like school, I really needed to graduate to get a open work permit so I can explore. I really wanted to explore industry and that that's why like I got opportunity to work in so many places. As soon as I graduated, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try like these other studios and I try to like jump around just to make sure like I learn as much as I can and um, get as much as I can experience. That's a really interesting way to approach your career because I mean at that point you already know you're already working in concept design but you intuitively know that every studio and every uh, industry does things a little bit differently and the fact that you were actively looking for different opportunities that, that's also a little bit hard though, right? Because I mean, I think a lot of people sort of, they come out of school and they're like, okay, I want to find a stable job where I can work for, you know, the next five years and not have to worry about it. And you're on the other hand, you're like, no, I want to try all the different things, try all the cakes before I pick one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even like pick one. It's just also like, I, I'm still exploring. And I think it's always, uh, I love like learning something from one studio and then coming to a different studio and being able to offer this new knowledge that I combine and seeing how different approaches work. And that's how I find myself growing. Last thing I want to be is comfortable. And I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid because it feels very stall. Uh, to be in one company for a very long time. Uh, like it's especially like, yeah, if you like just get from the project to project, um, you kind of know the people. I just feel like it's not pushing me enough um, towards um, I guess improvement and uh, learning. I just get bored, honestly. <laughs> and I'm trying to yeah, always challenge myself. I wanted to ask you about your process over the course of your career, because I mean, you have been at this even before you, you know, actively started working as a concept artist, you were already drawing and telling stories with your art. And clearly over the course of, you know, your, your, your creative uh, output career, your skill level has changed, but I assume so have the tools and, you know, the knowledge that you have to to give back to the work. Can you talk a little bit about how that's changed over the, the years? You know, like when you started as a kid, I'm assuming it was pen to paper or pencil to paper. And when did you start to sort of adopt a digital approach to, to art? And now, because I, I do, I did see that you do, you know, you, I mean, even now in your studio, you do both classical work. And I see that um, in your, in your book, you talk a little bit about how when you do your diaries, it's kind of with whatever you have at hand. So can you talk a little bit about your process and how that's changed over the course of your creative career? I think uh, I started with digital when I started going into internet a lot more. So it was around 13 years old. I was drawing with, uh, with um, a yeah, mouse at first. 
And that's also came from this like website appearing about like more digital art appeared. Um, I think while it was like maybe 2007, 2006, at least like back, back home. Uh, and I started drawing because um, I mean, I learned Photoshop pretty early. I learned it maybe on the second grade because I was a big fan of Britney Spears. And my dad brought uh, like a CD of like Photoshop home. Uh, and and I was like, oh, great. Now I can cut out myself and put next to Britney Spears. And it's like weird. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's basically where I started using Photoshop. It was very, very early on. And then I've discovered later, like maybe a couple of years later that I can draw with a mouse on it. Um, it was also like, I used painter as well. I used to sit with my mom at her workplace and I would draw like a panoramic views in painter of forest. And then I would scroll through the forest and kind of like, I could see like, you know, like, oh, there's like different things happening in the forest while I scroll through it. So digital always been there uh, for me um, as, as much as I remember. And I guess a lot of that is intuitive, just out of interest, um, like I would want to explore how to, I don't know, how to draw trees. And then I would uh, just like go and paint that. And then if I wanted to add more details to certain things, I would like focus on that. Um, and up to the point when I started working. And when I started working, that's when um, the deadlines came in. And with deadlines, I had to develop the system, uh, different systems for each project to make sure it's like enough speed, uh, like my speed is uh, good enough for project, uh, make sure quality is the uh, same. And uh, uh, slowly I kind of developed, I worked in many different styles too. I worked for mobile games, I worked for VR, I worked for like PC recently, I worked for animation for feature for TV, and all of them have very different criteria on uh, what has to be, <clears throat> and in which kind of time frame on what qualities things have to be done. Sometimes you have to sacrifice quality slightly, to be able to uh, like get that stuff done fast. And that comes to the, uh, I guess TV, it's a big value in that. Sometimes it's more important to create product, like the painting fast than uh, actually make it like very, very good looking. Uh, and then um, basically based on that, I developed system of like how much details I, I can have, uh, what kind of style of painting I will be drawing. Um, like how fast uh, later on when I'm kind of more and more experienced, I cannot like I start a session, how like what what our production schedule. So especially if I'm starting the whole okay, the new project and what our production schedule based on that, I create a style that would fit within the time frame and that would fit within um, the quality bar. And based on that, you kind of like assess how long it takes and uh, what kind of style we can actually use. Uh, the, overall the process yeah so that's but for personal work I usually give myself as much time as I want um, and uh, I don't think that way I, I use some of the systems I learned uh, on the way um, but only how like how I want it and sometimes I mix them up sometimes I experiment like I use 3D um, mostly for production I started using 3D a couple of years ago I uh, learned the blender and uh, unreal engine now um, and to to make sure like it's also changes the whole quality and process of work as well. So it's always like evolution and always, I guess it's always evolving and keeps learning and creating more stuff, uh, more processes. Can you talk a little bit about the balance of, you know, your personal projects and, you know, work projects? Because I mean, the reality for artists is, you know, you're always going to ha- need a job to, to pay the bills, but you also want to stay personally creative and fulfilled. 
what does that look like for you? Like, what is your balance like? Like, when you're working on a project for a client, are you only focused on that, or are you still working on your own projects at the same time, or do you only work on your own projects and kind of between projects? does that look like for you yeah it's it's also varies it depends how much you're involved in the project um like a couple of years ago of years ago last year i was art directing uh and that took all my time and uh it's basically sucks you in full fully into the project and you sleep and you wake up and you remember like what you have to do and like you have to keep in mind so many things that there was absolutely no room for personal work when I'm design as a designer, it depends on the workload again, and depends how easy for me it's how how comfortable I am with the style or comfortable I am with the theme. If I'm pretty comfortable, I can do a lot of things on autopilot, and that leaves me a room, creative room to work after hours. Um, but if it's uh, pretty demanding on creating new new style, or I have to adapt to someone else's style, or just a lot of work, then sometimes I like eight hours of work, and I feel very drained, and there's no way I can. Uh, paint that's why sometimes I would go outside and paint like planners because you don't really have to have too much too much creative energy to do that you just draw what you see and what you feel like you kind of like using there and here and there but uh, I'd say like yeah that's why for the last like maybe like seven years I've been working a lot doing all the planners and trying to um, kind of remember all the environments I have it's kind of study useful but also fulfills me a little bit it is very hard to balance to create, properly create, like dedicate your time to creativity and to things that are possible to create like within, uh, I don't know if it's clear, uh, and balance client work. Um, it's really difficult. I, I found it very difficult and it's very draining if you're trying to do both. Um, yeah, so I basically last year took a, a year off just to be able to work on my own stuff. I'm doing still freelance, but I decided that I won't take any full-time job. Like it's just piled up so much. It was in like last 10 years. I never had break. Like I had, I always worked from the contract to contract. Maybe my break was a couple of weeks for like Christmas vacation. First time in 10 years, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my, my, my time. And actually based on what I learned within this 10 years, I just want to explore what can, what I can do with my, with my skill or ideas. I'm sure there are way more projects that, you know, you've thought about that you just haven't gotten to yet that you maybe have explored within the last year. Where do you keep those ideas? Like, do you write them down somewhere or do you have a notebook or you have sketches? Like how, when you start to develop concepts, what does that look like for you before you actually start to draw? Actually, I keep so many notebooks um for the for like maybe all my life I was doing diaries uh, I actually journal every day I journal every day I have like for the I think I have like whole 10 years of being in Canada I have two gen boxes of journals uh, where I just put all my brain down and I have separate journals with uh, just ideas I also at some point accumulated so many paper paper journals that I actually tried to move to digital and I use um I use Notion. Uh, it's um like time like it's kind of management software where you can just put a bunch of stuff, like it's very customizable. And as now I started actually putting like I made like a mini website in Notion for myself where I have like all this uh, like a gallery uh, notes uh, system notes where I put notes based on hashtags, 
and different hashtag depends on the ideas I have. If I have like it's a painting idea or I have some kind of like art show idea, I would just tag them and put a bunch of references in. And then whenever like I want to explore more, I would just click on a tag and then I would get a bunch of nodes that I created based on that tag and I can read all of them and kind of merge them together, see what works. That's a system I started working with like probably a couple of years ago and it really helps. Uh, because before it was just like notebooks everywhere and then sometimes you just have to like go through them with the pages and it was yeah it was getting difficult yeah 10 years worth of notebooks is a lot of paper <laughs> it's uh yeah i do two two books per year so it's i have right now yeah actually yeah i have a lot i have like tw over 20 books just of my diaries and i have separate books with ideas uh, and sketchbook and I have a separate two boxes of my sketchbooks um yeah I don't know like <laughs> there's still like time to live so I don't know. I'm gonna like just like make a house out of them and live inside <laughs> yeah. you were talking about how notion lets you sort of organize um with hashtags and once you sort of you decide you're going to work on something specific that's when you start to look at the bigger picture of what that's going to look like I'm curious about how you decide what shape your project is going to take. So let's say you start with an idea. How much work do you do on it? And how do you start to conceptualize if that's going to be a digital painting or maybe uh, an actual physical uh, painting? Or, you know, how, how do you start to sort of put together what that's going to look like as a final project? Or maybe it's not clear from the beginning. I don't know. Yeah, it depends. Sometimes it's not clear. Sometimes, uh, but usually what's not clear, I never get done. It's often I get some kind of glimpses of inspiration or glimpses of ideas. So I write them all down and then I'm thinking what as an end product it can look like. Uh, what is uh, what, what is it like? It's just digital painting. And if it is on, on which platform? One like side note, I noticed lately because we all use an Instagram, um, like digital actually painting style changed because you have to adapt it to this Instagram scrolling format where people look at it no more than like a couple seconds. So it has to be very clear. So like it's also like, yeah, all the art styles evolved. And I, I noticed like I stopped painting big paintings as I used to just because it's like going to be tiny on Instagram. <laughs> um, so you have to like think of which uh, platform uh, if it's digital or for example, um, I'm working now on uh, a VR experience with my partner and we want to make it as a, in the end, as like an experience that would uh, kind of spill out into reality. So that would be partially probably an art show uh, where I'm also working on painting separately that would be part of this VR experience theme. Think of it as like more, uh, more I guess, bigger picture. Or if I'm making like paintings, like, okay, maybe I can do postcards out of it and then see what happens. Like what I've done recently, I just got a bunch of paintings I've done and I just made postcards out of it because they've all been about Vancouver. That's usually, like, I, I like thinking of, I guess, final product as a final experience for for people. I think it's really interesting that you're not limiting yourself to, like, one final product, for lack of a better word. Like, you're looking at things from, like you say, like an experience for us as the the, the consumer of that art. But for you, at some point, do you ever feel like, Perhaps like, let's say you've done something that you've done specifically for Instagram and you think, you know what, I kind of feel like this might be better or I want to explore this as something else. Do you ever look at your artwork and kind of think, OK, maybe I should try to look at this with a, through a different lens for yourself, not necessarily for the, the viewer? In the end, I still always look at myself as a viewer as well. 
and I want to share the experience um, I have. Uh, I want to be able to, it's like a conversation. I want to have it as conversation with the viewer uh, because it's like way of communi com communicating. Yes, I do it for myself, but I also want the viewer to look at it and get the same feelings I felt uh, when I was working on on certain piece. It's just the overall note about Instagram. It's uh, just how it is right now uh, with the technology. Uh, but right now I'm working on a painting that I decided oh, I kind of, I got bored of Instagram too. Like I stopped painting at some point uh, just because I like, well, it just sits there and you know, Instagram going to disappear one day. And then, you know, what, uh, like, where are we going to publish all that? That's why I started more thinking about uh, maybe start working on more um, art gallery shows and uh, other formats, maybe some videos, maybe some VR, um, just because yeah, I just I got bored, I guess, a bit from Instagram. Yeah. I kind of love that it's the like the, your, your comment about it being a conversation, I think is so fascinating because at the end of the day, you're a storyteller. We're going back to, you know, youth and being able to tell stories with your artwork where do you draw your inspiration from is it from you know music objects settings all of it um yeah definitely music I remember I started when I was starting painting I was listening um I had several favorite bands uh and and books I loved how in poetry or in uh, books they're using allegories uh and metaphors and how this metaphors can be actually translated to the uh, painting directly, but they still would have the same meaning. And that would make amazing visuals. Usually I would listen, uh, there was like one band, uh, like Fleur, Fleur they, they call Fleur, um, I think it's Ukrainian band. Uh, and uh, she had this very interesting metaphors of um, words mix up, mixes of words that would create like just images in my brain. And, and then based on that, for me, it would be like the whole story would kind of unravel, uh, not exactly based on that song, but just what it invoked in me. Uh, and that would be translated into painting. And um, another uh, from the books uh, is Ray Bradbury uh, and his, uh, his way of also using allegories, metaphors to convey the story. And one good thing about metaphors is like when you just listen it, it actually creates the visual that gives you the feeling that writer meant. Um, and uh, for me, I see this visual very, very clearly. And maybe sometimes for me, it means something else. I can modify it a bit, but I do enjoy like uh, putting it into the artwork or using it in artwork just to see if I can actually translate it as well, just by visual Talking about artwork and, you know, working on a regular basis and, you know, keeping ideas. I, I was I was hoping we could talk a little bit about your book, um, which you just re released. And it's a visual diary, essentially, of your time in Vancouver over the last 10 years. You, I'm assuming you already had these images from your, you know, experiences. When did the idea for the book start to ruminate? And when did it start to take shape as this kind of like visual diary of you know a decade of your life yeah um well i think uh, at first i was uh, i mentioned that in the book as well um my visa wasn't permanent in canada i was on a working visa that i had to renew i was on student visa and then i finally applied for permanent residence and it's just overall st very stressful process i think everyone who went through that knows um how how stressful and the weight can be and then I also didn't know at that point, if I don't get it, uh, visa, then what I'm going to be doing, because I would have to probably go back. Um, and I kind of haven't been back in Kazakhstan for a very long time. 
Um, I didn't know, like, I didn't feel my future being back home. Vancouver is so different than um, Almaty, where I grew up, visually. When I came here, I was shocked by amount of plants, by amount of different, like, architecture and buildings, because I grew up in, like, this post-Soviet Union kind of architecture style where every single building is, looks the same. I was basically around, like, you know, the gray boxes, um, and... Uh, Everything looks the same. If you don't know, if you don't know where you are, you can easily get lost. It's like a labyrinth of gray boxes. You just and when I came here, I every single building is different. And that was shocking for me because every single house, every single living space, every single like um um like planting of the I don't know, gardens is different. So many different plants, so many so bright. So for me that that, that difference was fascinating and the moment when I thought I might have to go back, I wanted to remember it, but not just by making photos. I knew when you can photos, I look through phone. Sometimes my phone was bad back then. Like it's just not the same. But actually, like when you walk in the sunshine on certain like plants or leaves, or is there a certain like building kind of picking out? Um, and it's like a fall, and I'm walking to I don't know do Teufel test or something like that, like at the feel of nervousness, but also feeling like of the fresh air and feel of walking. Like I walked a lot in West End back then. Um, West End is amazing, uh, and uh, um, all that. I just wanted to capture it. Photograph doesn't do it, and so I started doing kind of sometimes painting, like small quick painting. I think back then it was just with a pen, um, and then trying to do or a photo and then try to do it on a computer at home and when the ipad appeared then i uh, did some sketches with ipad and then move it to um to photoshop and then try to capture like whatever the feeling i still had i tried to put that into the image at the time were you doing that just for yourself definitely yeah all that was for myself is like best i think it's best memory tool to draw like I did a lot of that in sketchbook I didn't include in the book but I had a lot of line drawings that I would just sit in the coffee shop and draw whatever I see uh and then later when actually I was able to draw more in digital like I got tablet and that's when I started painting it like on photoshop or gouache uh, later so when did you decide to do a book because I mean that seems like such a personal thing about yourself to share with the world and I mean as an artist you're sharing your art all the time but I expect that this was probably a much more personal thing that you've shared in the past it is it is yeah it's my first uh, first book um, it's just accumulated the amount of work accumulated and uh, also this year I've been more like uh, I had more chance to think of what actually products I want to make because I wasn't uh, full-time employed so I was I had chance to actually strategize and think of like okay what what I can do with my art I did this all this art in, for ten years and I haven't done anything with it the con convenient like the uh, lightbox expo happened and I I got in um and I was thinking that oh, that's a great opportunity for me to try something to create and it was a good deadline I um I I I I had lots of work like I have some work that I do from imagination um that I, I didn't include any of that in the book I just kind of made a theme I was like very lucky that I actually could create the theme of this visual diaries with all these planners I've done uh and putting them all together by categories uh of like where I lived like I have like one section of my old apartment where I drew it because I was really liking this apartment and then like I have this like um, like Vancouver winter section where I would after work like it was horrible 
raining cold and I would leave the sky train and go home it was like very miserable like in this kind of moments I felt like it's oh it's, it's actually can make a little book yeah it's like it's 72 pages not that big um but it was it was enough material to put my like 10 years in I was actually like maybe nine nine years in uh into this one book um uh, but yeah not everything went in because some stuff is like a bit too sketchy and I didn't like um at not very good quality, so I decided not to include it. But. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, promoting yourself? Because one of the things that I think a lot of artists uh, maybe are cautious about and, and maybe don't have that much experience of is, you know, basically selling yourself. Because essentially, that's what you're doing as a freelance artist. And you've been doing that since the beginning. You've been out there hustling, showing your work, getting the jobs. Can you, do you have some practical tips for people that maybe aren't as good at getting out there and, and meeting people? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm uh, not great either that I'm just learning as well, especially now when you're like more independent artist. I was like, okay, I have to like put all my thoughts about my, like all self-doubts aside. I have a lot of self-doubts. Like it's, um, I have a social anxiety happening as well uh, when I go out and talk, but it's also being try to be objective about the work I do um I'm very self-critical like I look at my work and I don't like anything and uh, I'd always like my first thought in my self-critic kind of says like ah oh, who's gonna look at that or um like are you thinking of yourself too much like I get a little bit of the imposter thing happening I'm talking about the book it was a big challenge for me to actually start um promoting it it's 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 still very awkward I have to actually overcome um this uh, fear um to um to start talk about myself and about like oh I do this work has value look <laughs> like it's it's very difficult but I think main thing is just to shut the brain off and um imagine I imagine sometimes myself a different person I'm like well I'm an agent of myself and uh um what if I like if I met someone like me uh what would I suggest them to do and how would I describe their work? Obviously, you wouldn't go to someone else and say, yeah, your work doesn't have any value. You should just not do anything. Like, you wouldn't say it to anyone. Uh, but I do to say that to myself. So I try to distance my brain as much as I can, like myself from my work as much as I can to be able to talk about it. And another thing is confidence, like with jobs and with um I guess showing a portfolio is just confidence. Like, hey, I've done this experience. I have. I'm being very honest. Um, I like, yeah. Here's work I've done. Here's what you can expect from me. Um, and that's it. Like, uh, if the experience is there, then it's just saying well, how it is. But yeah, it's still for me. It's learning process. Uh, it's still going to be probably a long time for me until I get good at it. Because I, I see a lot of people doing that. I look at. Um, Online, I follow many artists who are so easily talk about their work. They so easily talk about what it means. Um, they sell in it. And for a longest time, I thought that can't be me. Um, it just it's just felt like, oh, someone else can, like someone else is, but not me. And um, But main thing I found is just start doing it. And eventually it follows. Like, um, just start doing it. Don't overthink it keep like just start doing it and see what happens and yeah sometimes at first it might sound silly uh, like I did recording for my book uh, for like advertising it and I listen to my voice and I'm like I cannot this is horrible and 
I don't like my voice and I have to get used to it. But after I listened to it like five times, I got used to it because you don't used to your own voice at first. I listened five times like, okay, yeah, that sounds okay. Like uh, it's, uh, and you know, other people, like I, I asked my partner, like, what do you think? She's like, oh, it sounds great. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you got used to it. So it's fine. Yeah, I think I honestly, I'm still, I'm still learning. Yeah, uh, on uh, self-promotion and uh, um, my only advice is like, would be just do it. And it's fine. It's like some things you think it's impossible, but then you start doing it and they get possible. Um, and no one else will come. And like in my case, no one else will come and uh, like, you know, suddenly start uh, promoting me. Like uh, there's, it's not going to happen. It's not happened with other people either. Like other people just start putting themselves forward. And that's how they get, I guess, um, all this like, like their success or they sell stuff or they get jobs. No, no one else can do it except one like you the person who actually creates yeah i guess that's the main thing to remember like uh you can like person can be anything they want as long as they actually start doing it not like it's not coming from external it's coming from the inside yeah the direction yeah you mentioned something really interesting in how basically you're your own worst critic how do you sort of like you talked a little bit about that and how you sort of try to remove yourself away from that criticism. But I mean, that's really hard. I'm curious, like on the work itself, like once you've created a piece of work and, you know, one part of you is saying, okay, it's done. Uh, This is the final work. The critical side of you is like, well, no, I can probably change this or this, or this can be different. At what point do you say, okay, no, it's finished. Or do you ever say it's finished? Um, I do say, yeah, I have like some criteria I have. I usually check like, in if it's painting, I usually check, okay, do I see any like major issues there? Is composition works? Uh, I show it to some of my friends and ask them questions like, oh, where is your eye go? Like when you look at it, what do you think about the painting? Um, I check the tone, tonal values, all the technical stuff. I check that, making sure that works first. And then... Um, yeah, and then when I when I'm convinced that like uh, that message is conveyed, uh, then it's done for me. And if at that point if it's done, sometimes three days later I open it and I'm like, whoops, there's <laughs> there's a giant mistake I made. But then I just let it go. Like unless I use it for portfolio or something, I usually let it go and just like next time I'll do better. And that's that's basically also motivation. I'm never satisfied with work, hundred percent. It's always turns out a little bit different than I imagined initially. And I, uh, I usually let it go with the thought that my next work will be better. And that's what drives me partially to, to create more and more different work, um, trying and get to this like ideal, uh, I guess, balance of image that I want to, like a message I want to show. Um, yeah, I guess that's what moves me forward. It helps to move forward. The I, I guess, again, this criticism and like, uh, it make, keeps me move forward, yeah to improve you have turned your passion for drawing into your career for a lot of people when they have something that they're really passionate about they're not really doing that like as their job but for you since they're both one and the same how do you unwind and like take a break do you is drawing still that way to unwind and take a break even though it's something that you do creatively for a living um now yes since i haven't been full-time employed for uh a year yes i feel like it's i get a lot of joy i wake up and i 
it's something I want to keep doing. Uh, when I when I was full time, uh, well, nine to five, um, uh, usually I would just go to the gym or just go to like yoga, try to do things like that, go for a walk or go for drinks with friends. Like um, that would be unwinding, uh, just forget about everything and kind of do some very, very different activity. Physical activity always helps. I know I, I run, um, I jog a lot um, during like less rainy times. I jog and it's just definitely meditative for me. I put some audiobook on or meditation on and I just go for a long jog. I used to live in West End where I would jog to Stanley Park and through Stanley Park. And for me, it was very healing process uh, where I would just, I even at some point thought about making this visual, maybe one day I will, because uh, I would work a lot and uh, sometimes you get frustrated at work or like something doesn't work. I remember I was drawing this background and it just didn't look right. And I would always get feedback that it's not working. And I, I was just so frustrated. I went outside, I was trying to look at the reference, but I still couldn't get what's wrong with it. And after work, I, like it took me some, like probably a week to figure out how to, to, to get this thing done. But I would run and I would feel like the moment when I start running, I would have this heavy, heavy goo on me, on top of me. And like, was like, it's just heavy head is pounding and you, and I run and by the time I would get to Stanley Park and like run through it, it's like would disappear, like kind of like left, like one by one. And it felt like a cleansing experience for me to be in Stanley Park in the nature. I would like breathe heavily. I like, I would have like, you know, red face and a hot, hot face. And, um, and that moment you feel like, okay, um, you breathe very deeply, uh, all the air, all the forest. And then um, you kind of like, it's a cleansed experience. And then you run back. I would I would run back and uh, come home without this blank goo. And that's kind of one of the, I love running. I love running. I still, I still get it. It's just running for me is the best because I can um, see all the like different lighting, like, um, like different lighting in different seasons and uh every day is something different it's never the same um if i run uh even if i go with the same route it's always different and uh that's what like i guess biggest uh relaxation for me in terms of um like just get distracted from painting so you know, I, I had moments when i would run with sketchbook <laughs> like i had that i got myself a little backpack and then i'll put sketchbook and water in there and i would run or ipad it was it it didn't last long because it was very difficult <laughs> and also like yeah i was like part, like like okay now i have to sketch <laughs> and run back yeah that was interesting yeah it's it sounds like you also get a lot of inspiration from your surroundings and nature and you know being outside do you see yourself ever being somewhere else like will at some point vancouver be not boring but will it become so familiar that you'll be like i i need to experience a different a different place um yeah definitely i think i already started slowly getting there i do love vancouver though i think i will also come back here uh, I'm planning to, I, I'm going to try to see if um, possible, like uh, to live in other places, probably maybe somewhere in America or um, just Europe eventually. Um, I wanted to try living there uh, just again to explore this other environments. Um, but I, I traveled this year uh, quite a bit and I still feel Vancouver is my um, favorite city just because how close proximity everything is. And it has the spirit. It has its own like I don't know for me, maybe personally, like I still love my favorite neighborhood here is West End. Uh, and the, every single neighborhood in Vancouver is like, 
has its own energy. What I didn't find in being like, like last month I went to Los Angeles or or like San Francisco, it it doesn't have this like you can't walk from one and like from one this little energy to another. Like Kitsilano is very different energies than West End, but they have this like um, special I don't know some kind of combination of people, nature, and buildings. Uh, that create this like certain very specific feeling for each of the neighborhoods, like Gastown, uh, such a small place, but you can walk to Stanley Park from here. And like this walkability and and I guess variety uh, of, um, I guess, moods uh, in the city is just very unique, I think. Um, yeah, and like so many history for me happened within, I have associations with this neighborhood, which each, with each neighborhood as, certain like events in my life where I used to walk in the West End a lot because I had to go to school or I had to go to Cold Harbor a lot because I like I was waiting for the bus there to go to school or Gastown because I worked there and now Gastown I have my studio here so it's like every um every single neighborhood has like bears so much history your career developed at a really interesting time when you know a number of things were uh, starting to sort of come into fruition. And a lot of it was self-taught and, you know, self-motivation and being out there and learning the thing because you were really passionate about it. What would you say to, you know, kids or young artists that are interested in, you know, maybe doing what you do, either concept art or perhaps they want to just be, you know, professional artists? What would, what would you say to them at the early onset of their career? Maybe they're not even thinking that this is something they could do for a living. What would be your 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 one piece of advice to, to young artists? Keep following what uh, used to be that no one else going to give it to you. You only person who can create that, make that happen. School might not give it to you, probably not. If you School is also, even if you go to school, if you're not passionate about it, it's probably not going to give you results um, as much as you expect. To me, it was, I had to spend every living moment painting and drawing just because I loved it so much. And I think that led me to um, kind of develop my skills uh, and keep passion to it rather than being um, in influenced externally based on like whatever who teacher tells you what to do or your employer tells you what to do like or like a client tells you what to do. Um, it's always has to come from within. I don't know if it's clear enough. It always has to come the desire to learn, desire to your own inspiration that's what should be the driving force and then all the other things like like school and like teachers and uh it's just a combination it's uh it's like extra i guess push but the main force has to be always within i believe that like, everyone can achieve anything they want uh like any skill they want if they're really passionate about it and that was our conversation with lira nukalova you can find out more about Lyra's work and purchase her new book, Visual Diaries, on our website, liranukalova.com. The Sparkcast is a production of the Spark Computer Graphics Society. Opening and closing credits by Michael Edlin. Editing and additional production support by Joshua Peterman. For more about SparkCG and our upcoming events, visit sparkcg.org.